Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the VCM Quick Strike for Monday, August 15th, 2022. From SC Magazine, Behavioral Health Group informs 198,000 patients of data theft from December. Now, apparently, this was something that they found that they concluded six months later that the patient data was contained in those files that were exfiltrated. Now, what's not clear, according to the article, is why VHG did not adhere to the 60-day reporting requirement outlined in HIPAA. There's a couple of other things in here as well, too. The elements that were stolen varied by patient could include names, social security numbers, driver's license, passports, biometrics, health insurance information, diagnosis, treatments, prescriptions, dates of service, and medical records numbers, but only patients whose social security numbers were compromised will receive free credit monitoring. I guess that sort of makes sense there. But what doesn't make sense is within the list of items that BHG has done as far as increasing their information security posture, there are two items in there that Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that they're required by HIPAA as part of just maintaining compliance with HIPAA to begin with. And that's adding multi-factor authentication and implementing a third-party security monitoring solution. So we don't have all of the information on this, obviously, but just from that short article, to me, it sounds like that this was an instance where there really wasn't as great an emphasis on information security posture as need be. And really, it's more effective to learn that before a breach happens as opposed to after. Have you gotten a job offer from Coinbase recently? Well, you might want to look into that whole idea. That's because the renowned North Korean hacking outfit Lazarus is using a new social engineering scheme in which they pose as Coinbase to lure workers into the fintech sector. So what's happening here is particularly they're saying that a position for engineering manager product security, that position, if you open it up, you download what you think is a PDF about it, but it actually is a file called Coinbase Online Careers 2022.07.exe, and that runs a malicious DLL and displays the fake PDF document shown below. And then once that happens, uh, it uses GitHub as a command and control server to get instructions on what to do with the infected device. Now, this isn't anything um, new from Lazarus. They previously used phony job offers for General Dynamics and Lockheed Martin campaigns, but it's not unexpected that they're looking at Coinbase because Lazarus is going after cryptocurrency at this point in time. So, if you're looking for a job and you see a great one from Coinbase, particularly on LinkedIn, and you're not solicited, it's your your somebody reaches out rather to you, you might want to check it a little bit closer. Of course, that's good advice for all contacts and job offers. Time to get the lead out. Zeppelin ransomware may encrypt devices multiple times in attacks, according to an article from Bleeping Computer. So CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, has, have warned United States organizations that attackers deploying Zeppelin ransomware might encrypt their files multiple times. So what ends up happening here is each time that there, the encryption happens, there are different IDs or file extensions that are created 
And for each instance of that attack, this results in the victims basically needing several unique decryption keys. So does that mean several ransoms? I'm not really sure. Now, the FBI has detected this uh, Zeppelin ransomware as a service as recently as June 21st, or maybe that's June 2021. It's hard to see here. I would think it's June 21st because otherwise that that would seem that this is a little bit outdated. Uh, this organization, the malware, went through several name changes that you may have heard from before. So Vega Locker to Baran, and then Vega Locker again, apparently, according to the article, Cole, Jamper, and now Zeppelin. So this article has a little bit of information and a link to um, more information as far as um, TTPs, that's tactics, techniques, and procedures. From Cybersecurity Insiders, Russia launching wiper malware cyber attacks against Ukraine. And this is actually from a presentation given by Sentinel One, um, Thomas Hegel and Juan Andres Guerrero at uh, Black Hat USA that just completed, concluded that after almost six months of war with Ukraine, Russia now seems to have hit it digitally. And so I'm reading off of this is reportedly launching cyber attacks that could clean off data from the targeted computers on a permanent basis. So what is it, the, the idea is that Russia has gone through DDoS attacks, disinformation spread, um, and other campaigns, but, but those weren't as successful as they thought that they needed. And now they have intensified the attacks with wiper malware. At least that's the, that's the implication there. Researchers at Cleafy have uncovered a worrying new threat module while analyzing the latest versions of the Sova mobile banking Trojan that had emerged in July. This malware wants to steal your Gmail, GPay, and Google password manager cookies. It inter- it's a piece of Android malware that intercepts two-factor authentication codes, stealing cookies and data, taking screen- screenshots, and protecting itself from being uninstalled. But what it also does is... It has the inclusion of a ransomware module. So now we're starting to look at the possibility of ransomware on a smartphone. Not a surprise that that would actually happen, but here it is today. We're all aware about the planned expansion of 5G and that there is a massive new population of 5G capable devices, according to the article here from artstechnia.com. So you have smart city sensors to agricultural robots to and beyond all those. You could basically gain connectivity where there is no Wi-Fi, which is a good thing. But of course, with um, more connectivity will come more potential vulnerabilities. And that's something that Technical University of Berlin researcher Atlef Shayek says he was curious to investigate if the APIs that carriers are using to offer IoT manufacturers to make IoT data accessible to developers, um, what sort of of potential vulnerabilities are there? And what he found looking at the 5G IoT APIs of 10 mobile carriers around the world, common but serious API vulnerabilities in all of them, and some could be exploited to gain authorized access to data or even direct access to IoT devices on the network. And this is from a presentation also given at Black Hat. 
as Shaikh notices, he says, there's a big knowledge gap. This is the beginning of a new type of attack in telecom. So again, with the explosion of IoT over 5G, we may have a whole new large field of potential vulnerabilities that we need to look at. Finally, were you at Black Hat and or DEF CON this past week? A lot of people were. I unfortunately was not, but I'm glad to see that there's a lot of information coming out. We talked about a couple of presentations from Black Hat today. It's good to see that sharing in the information security community. But there was one thing that came out that I don't think was so good. And I'll have more to say about that in 30 seconds. Cybersecurity is a very exciting field. And those who are in cybersecurity tend to have a lot of passion. And I think that that's wonderful. And there are a lot of people that do independent research, looking into different items. That's really where we get a lot of the presentations at Black Hat and DEF CON and other conferences. But there's also sometimes disagreements. And there's also sometimes outright misinformation. Now, with regards to the latter, Many of you may be aware recently within the last few months of, of one person in the cybersecurity field who published some findings with regards to an item that I won't go into details on, nor will I talk about the person's name, that was suspect as far as its research methodologies. So that's number one. Number two, this particular person allegedly and apparently, and I say that because I have not experienced this personally, but has basically been quite rude, to put it mildly, to many of their colleagues within information security, which those two items are not acceptable. First of all, if you have research out there, the idea of putting research out is to have your peers review it. And if they can replicate it, then, hey, you found something that's correct. If they can't replicate it or they find flaws, then you're supposed to acknowledge that and continue the process because nothing is perfect. Nobody can find everything. And sometimes, whether biased or not, our pathways that lead us down into areas of research might be biased and, and we might be looking for an outcome. We might be looking rather for a solution that we already know what the problem is, predetermined destiny or something along those lines. So that's the first part. Now, understandably, the cybersecurity community is incensed about this sort of thing, and I am as well, too. I don't think that it, it belongs in our field. We have to do better. But we also have to do better by using tactics to try to minimize it that doesn't constitute an unprofessional response in our own manner. Now, specifically what I'm talking about is there were elements of discussion with regards to this person's name in order to get that uh, awareness out that this person's research may be not quite up to snuff and just promoting general awareness. And I get that. I think that's a good idea. And a lot of that talked about at Black Hat and or DEF CON. I don't know where this particular thing happened, but I did find out, I did see that there were there were stickers of the person's face in kind of a stylized manner with the word fraud above it. Do we really need to do that sort of thing as an information security community? There's a couple of problems here. 
I use the words um, that we could be better. We could do be better as far as like civilized and mature responses. Well, there's a couple of things that we're doing here. This is in a manner um, bullying in that those stickers, okay, maybe they were made for the particular cybersecurity audiences, but so those stickers can persist. And so this person has their face up there now uh, in, in areas where that sticker may not come down for days, weeks, or, or longer. The other thing is that this is vandalism. You ever try to like remove like one of those stickers without damaging a piece of furniture or glass or something or another? Most of the time you can, but sometimes you can't. I think personally that that sort of response is damaging to the image of cybersecurity in general. I think we can do better. I think we do better by talking about the particular research and why it's bad. And also as a community, I don't want to say shaming them, but point out their deficiencies. Now I understand too, that this person is to the extreme allegedly, and that there is certain there, the way that this person has treated people is, is horrible. So I understand the desire to want to react in, in a similar manner, but I think that as an industry, we can do better. Now, this is just my opinion. And, um, I may be wrong on this and I'm certainly willing to entertain differences of opinions there, but from my perspective, we should go high when they go low we should take the high road and we should police our industry in a more civilized and mature manner. Thanks for listening and stay secure.